You're listening to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 25. Each Wednesday, we'll embark on a journey together to discover the best tips for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have time for what matters most. This week for Make Life Easier, we're talking about developing a weekly routine. And then on Make Work Easier, I've got my next installment in my New Year New Business series. And I've got a special guest, Amanda Freeman, who is on the show today to talk about the four things every business website must have. Let's get started. All right, for Make Life Easier this week, I have just started doing this new thing that I'm calling a weekly routine. And you may have heard of a morning routine, and that's something that's pretty common and I talked about in a previous episode. But this is a new idea that I came up with called a weekly routine. Now, I've in the past found that the more I, or I thought that the more I scheduled myself, the less creativity and flexibility I would have. And so I've resisted some routines and also I've had trouble sticking to them too. But lately I've been having so much to do that it feels like I'm kind of spinning my wheels and not getting very much done. I am getting a lot of stuff done for sure, but it just feels like for some reason I'm spinning my wheels, and I think it's because I'm kind of shifting haphazardly back and forth between projects. I believe I've mentioned before that I have a PC repair and now web design business called Lightning Technology that I do as a side hustle in addition to my job as a CTO, which we'll get to in my interview with Amanda. But I have both of those projects, my full-time job, and then just life in general, all the things that I do at home and and all of that stuff. So trying to balance everything can be kind of tricky. And so I recently came up with this idea to put it all into a routine. So what are we talking about? Well, for this practice, you'll need to identify the things that are important to you that you want to spend regular time on. For me, Those things are easier, this podcast, Lightning PC Repair and Technology, which is that side hustle business, obviously work, which is kind of built in by default, and personal stuff. So what I've done is I created a an extra calendar on my Google Calendar, and I called it Weekly Routine, and I've started just putting a full day item on the days when I want to work on specific projects. So this is the way I've done it. And this kind of happened by by accident, I guess. It just happened organically is a better way of saying it. I've been doing these kinds of things, but actually codifying it in a calendar helps me to release some of the mental space that I had been dedicating toward worrying about not working on every project as much as I should. So here's what I've got so far. And one last thing, actually, before I move into that is I want to note that you need to give yourself the flexibility to edit your weekly routine over time. Obviously, you want to try to stick to this routine, right? A routine is supposed to be routine. You don't want to be changing it every five minutes. But if you find that you your priorities have changed or you want to add or subtract time from particular projects, feel free. That's obviously important if you 
want to make this really work. Okay, for real, this time, let's talk about what I have on my calendar. So Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday are dedicated to this podcast. So Sundays, I typically record, and then I'll edit the audio. And then Monday and Tuesday, I will be working on the show notes and getting all the like loose ends together. And finally, that episode is always scheduled either Monday or Tuesday, depending on how soon I get it done. And then it will be scheduled to go live on Wednesday morning, which is when I work on the social media posts for the week. And so that's my kind of easier routine. Then Thursday, I shift gears and I'm now working on lightning. And that kind of gives you the idea about how much I time I spend. It's kind of three to one ratio. I spent about three times as much time on easier as I do on lightning, but that's okay. Lightning kind of runs itself once I have the pieces in place, you know, once I get my advertising and things like that in place. Friday, I've purposely left unscheduled so that way I do have some overflow time if I have more that I need to work on or if I'm doing something else. And typically Friday nights, I go with my boyfriend Kevin because he studies on Friday nights. And so we go to a coffee shop together and I work on whichever project I feel like from the three categories and that last category, which I haven't mentioned, Saturday is then for personal projects. And I, that's lightning and personal projects were the ones I felt that I'd been neglecting. And so I keep a list of all the projects underneath each of those headers, easier, lightning, personal. And when it comes to the mornings, usually of those particular days, I work on them. So Yesterday was Saturday, for instance, and I got up and I did all of my filing for the last year. I do that about once a year and got it all done and did a whole bunch of other stuff. And now I feel like, oh, I've really gotten some stuff accomplished. So that felt great. So this is a a thing that I really resisted at first. I was hesitant to even consider scheduling my life out like this because it felt like I was putting myself in a box. But what I've realized is that it really allows me to do the opposite of what I feared it would do. It allows me to be more flexible and more creative because I know that I have specific time dedicated for the things that matter to me. I can let them go when they're not important and it allows me to focus on what I'm thinking about right now. So if I don't finish a project for Lightning, I know I've got time next week that I can continue working on it. And of course, if I find that something has become more pressing, if if I've got some project that's a little more demanding, I can shift my priorities. But for the most part, I've been adhering to this routine so far. And it may be tweaked, but this has been working for me. So definitely give this a shot and drop a comment or shoot me an email. I'll announce the the links and the email all at the end of the show. But if you're interested at all in letting me know, I would love to hear. Are your days super busy? Even though you're stressed and tired, do you feel like somehow you just don't get enough done each day? Well, you're definitely not alone. That's why I put together an awesome one-page guide on my top 15 strategies for getting more done in a day. These are all of the best productivity tips I've found from books, online research, and experience. It's completely free. All you have to do is head over to easiercast.com slash get more done to grab your copy now. Again, that's my free one-page guide called the top 15 strategies for getting more done in a day. You can find it at easiercast.com slash get more done. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, 
Today, I have Amanda Freeman joining me on the show. Amanda is the founder and creative director of Mixie, a company that believes in the power of digital marketing and the ability to simplify communications, elevate experiences, and engage and inspire people everywhere. Amanda is a mom of two, a novice ukulele player, and she says that she's obsessed with coffee and nachos. She also loves to to network and leads the Livingston County chapter of Tuesdays Together. She's here today to talk to us about the four things every business website must have have. How are you doing today? I am awesome. How are you? I'm very good considering that it took us like 14 months to get <laughs> to get this together. I know. I know. I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, can we just do this? Not not because of you. I just felt bad. <laughs> no, right. I mean, I think we've rescheduled it like four times, <laughs> twice today, twice I know. today. I yeah. know. But we got here. Yeah. We're here. We did. We're doing this. I'm so proud of us. Yes, absolutely. So before we get started on the, the main topic, let's Tell me a little bit more about Mixie. What's what's your business about? All right. So Mixie is a branding and web design studio. Um, it is basically f- focused on helping companies achieve the impossible. Um, I just I want to help people represent themselves in a positive way. Um, I love just the natural feel, the communication. Um, and I just want to help people really focus in on their branding, their web designs, and communicate their message in a very clear and personal way. Um, so majority of the clients that I work with are small businesses. A lot are just starting out and they really have no idea where to start. And that's kind of where my passion lies. I love helping people um, and giving direction and giving them the lessons that I've learned throughout the process of building my own businesses. How did you get started with this? This seems, I'm pretty sure if we've talked before that you did event or wedding planning prior yes. and then it's morphed into this. So how did you go from there to here? Yeah. So um, when I was about 20, I want to say, um, I actually found an internship with an event planning company and worked with uh, them for about a year and a half. And then the owner was fortunate enough to get a job offer that she just couldn't refuse. And so she asked if I wanted to take over. um, And I did. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing (laughs) um, (laughs) because I was so young. I was in college um, and and my life was just sort of starting out. So, um, so yeah, I learned through just kind of hacking my way through building a business. Um, And I ran that for about 10 years and I found myself in a place where I needed a website. Um, And so I decided that because the cost of hiring someone sometimes just isn't within the budget, I wanted to learn how to do it myself. And I took that amount that I would have spent on having someone else do my website for me. And I applied it toward my education. So I went back to school. You know, there were some things about the wedding planning career that just weren't really fitting with my lifestyle at the time. And so I I decided at the age of 32, I think, um, to go back to school and pursue web design. And throughout that process, I just absolutely fell in love with graphic design and the idea of branding. Um, The the first time I was in school, I was uh, studying psychology. So my focus has always sort of been why people do what they do, um, how they think, and how they respond to certain circumstances. So just the combination of all of that led to this amazing opportunity. And so uh, went back to school. I found my way 
uh, through. I graduated with honors. It was wonderful. And then um, started my business. And it's just been uh, a whirlwind and amazing. And I'm still hacking my way through sometimes, but I just absolutely love it. You and I are a little bit of kindred spirits because I'd rather spend the the money on figuring it out too, doing it myself and and possibly sharing with others. But I know there are people, lots of people out there who just are like, just do it. Yes. Yeah. Fortunately for us um, who are trying to make a business out of these things, there are a lot of people out there that just want to pay somebody else to do it. And I totally understand that um, if it's a plumbing issue or (laughs) something like that. I would much rather pay somebody else to do it. But, but yeah, this is, it's been fun. It's been a lot of hard work and, um, but really it's just been incredibly rewarding and I've just loved every second. Yeah. And having the flexibility to do it on your own, I think is a, is a big thing. At least for me, I know that I love being able to, to make it with the things that make me passionate. And, and I'm sure that, you know, that, that rings true for you too. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's kind of a, um, a true statement across the board for every industry. You know, everyone just wants to kind of do what they love to do. Some people really love the comfort of working for another company and having that steady paycheck and not having to be worried about 8,000 things, but I'm one of those rare few and I know you are too. I think you're, you're kind of dipping toes in both worlds. Right. But, um, but it's uh, yeah, I just, I, I like to have my freedom and having, kids, especially now, it's such a huge focus in my life. And I want to be able to be there for them and have that flexibility. So I know you're on this, um, this side hustle series in the podcast. And right. so I think this, you know, the topic we're talking about today is kind of perfect for that. Yep. Yeah. I actually, I do kind of live in both worlds. I have a full-time job working for a school. I'm the Oh my God, I just forgot my, my, my own title. <laughs> well, it's a new okay. title. It's a new one, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I got it. It just, I, I blanked there for a second. So I'm going to edit that little piece out. Maybe, maybe it'll be a blooper at the end. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> what do I do every day? I don't know anymore. I've been on break since the end of December. So huh. I feel like that every single morning anyways. <laughs> Wait, right. what if, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I am the chief technology officer for, for a school district in Detroit and I do side hustling, you know, on the side and I do this podcast, which is more of a hobby. And then I have a PC repair and eventually I think a web design business as well. And I definitely like having my foot, my feet in both worlds. I read yeah. a book. Um, there's a TED talk by Emily Wapnick on being a what's called a multi-potentialite. And this, it's a that's a big term. We it could uh-huh. be a whole episode, but basically, people who like to kind of go broad with their interests rather than specialize. Yes. And yes. I am one of those people and I find I like the comfort of having my full-time income and then being able to do the things I'm passionate on this about on the side. So. Yeah, I think I refer to myself as a multi-passionate entrepreneur. So um, I have a tendency to be completely all in on one thing for a while until it's successful. And then I'm like, okay, what can I do next? What's yep. uh, what's what's yep. coming at the line? Um, and so, yeah, I, I completely understand that in a sense. I just have always been that person that has been like, fight the man. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know, I, I want to be on my own doing my own thing. So um, fortunately, I, you know, I had a lot of jobs, day jobs 
when I was first starting out in business, you know, when I was doing the wedding planning, I was a bartender at one point. I worked for an insurance agency. Um, so there were a lot of things that I did in the corporate world as well. Um, but then, you know, when I was able to launch Mixie, fortunately, I was in a place that I was kind of able to go all in right out of the gate. So, um, so I do have history in both realms. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of all in on the full time now. So Emily Wapnick, the same TED Talk, and then she's got a book called How to Be Everything, which I read, and it was fantastic. She's actually got a term for what you're describing. She calls you the phoenix, which you like, it's it's the model of, you know, kind of being reborn all the time. You know, you Mm -hmm. get to a point, get to the end, kind of die or end whatever you're working on, and then you're reborn. That's the term she'd use for what you're describing yourself to be. And you know, honestly, when when I was studying psychology, there was kind of this um, theme throughout some of the things that I was studying. Uh, My focus was on marriage and family um, and relationships just in general. Um, And there's this thought of every decade, your interests change, your direction changes, your focus changes. And so roughly every 10 years, I know in marriage, they call it the seven-year itch, um, But roughly in that space, you kind of refocus what you're doing and your priorities change and things shift. And so, so it's just, I feel like that really has been my story. Like every, every seven to 10 years, I really just want to try something else. So right when it gets to that successful chain uh, point in business, I'm like, okay, what can I do to complicate this a little bit more? <laughs> right. My boss wants to, well, my former boss at this point, she wants to describe that. And I think actually Ed Catmull in his book, uh, Creativity Inc. described it as liking to kind of set the schedule up and then wanting someone else to make sure the trains run on time. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I actually, I have a client that I was just working with and she's um, throughout our, our time working together in different realms. We've become good friends, but she has said that also. She just, she likes setting things up and getting them running. And then she wants to like sell it and have someone else take over and she can just watch it from afar and gift someone this already a successful project. Um, so it's, I think there are quite a few of us out there. I love the term Phoenix because it just sounds really fancy. That's right. <laughs> fun. Um, <laughs> but it really is just a, a craving of that process. Not a lot of people crave that success, but um, there, there are a few that really just love that struggle and love the, um, the process. I call it thriving in chaos. I just, you know, you're, trying to figure everything out and hoping it all falls into place eventually. But uh, that education and that uh, learning in the process is really what I crave. So kind of on that topic, that's a great segue into, you know, if folks are looking to start their own project, whether they're going to stick it out for the long run or whether they're going to build it and, and sell it or move on. Every business that's a side hustle or, you know, a small business, whatever you want to call it, every business you say should have a website. And so for make work easier, yeah, for make work easier this week, I wanted to bring you on to talk about those four things that every business website must have. Now, four is a little bit deceptive. Those are broad categories. And the ones that we identified as we were prepping for this are that every site should have a homepage, an about page, a contact page, and some type of call to action. Mm -hmm. And Those are really, they can be fluid categories. It can be one page with all that there, but it should have some form of those elements. And we're going to talk about what those look like. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Great. So let's talk about the homepage. That's obviously probably the number one 
page that folks are going to land on. It's that or the, the about page, which a lot right. of people don't know. But the homepage is really important. So tell me about, about that page. What's that all about? Okay, so a homepage is basically the first impression that you give somebody. And I, I can't even tell you how many times I clicked off of a website when I get to the homepage and it's disorganized or the colors are chaotic um, or I can't find what I'm looking for, which is so, it happens so often. So really the most important things on a homepage is just describe what you do. Don't overcomplicate things. You want to make it easy for people to understand you, your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're doing. And you want to inspire them to reach out to you because the main purpose of a website, of social media as a business, of all of that is really to get clients. So you want to convert all of those visitors into people who are going to pay you to do whatever it is that you're doing. So really focusing on what you do and not using a bunch of jargon, speak in a casual tone, words that other people would be searching for. Uh, that's really, really important. I also think that you want to convey why what you're doing is maybe better than some of your competitors or what sets you apart, why you're different. Um, you know, I, m- my sister is a baker and one of the main things that I told her when I was developing her website for her was that there are a thousand bakers out there, you know, and not a thousand, there's like a million, but there's like a thousand in her area who specialize in making wedding cakes. And so for her, everything she does is hand mixed. She doesn't use mixers. She doesn't use, um, well, at the time she didn't use mixers. She didn't use anything that was pre-made. It was all from scratch. And so I wanted to make sure that people understood that that is why she's different. If you want something that is actually handcrafted and not just made from a package, it's important to let your visitors know that. One of the other things that I really think is important on a homepage, and some may argue this actually, is the location. Um, you may work out of your home. So it's not important to have like an actual street address right out of the gate. Um, eventually, it's something you might want to consider, but just stating where you're from. You know, I majority of the work that I do is from home. I'm actually in the process of getting a studio right now, but I didn't want my actual home address on the internet. So I just put it out there that I am from Michigan or my certain area of Michigan. And that helps people understand where I am. A lot of people like to work with local companies, which is usually pretty important to me. Um, So just having that there makes a world of difference sometimes. Plus it's great for SEO, which is something I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit. What do you think about having a personal, like an image of yourself on the homepage? Um, I think having an image of yourself on your website in general is very, very important. I personally, if it's, you know, if you're in the side hustle space, it's, I think it's important because you're working for yourself. You may be the only one within the company, within the organization. So having that connection is really important. I'll talk about it a little bit more in the about page, but it is people connect as far as psychology goes, people connect with eyes. They want to see you. They want to um, trust you. And if you don't have a picture of yourself on the website, it's hard to trust somebody. I don't know how many times you've done this, but I've had meetings with clients that I've never seen before. And it's so awkward 
I'll, you know, I'll look it up, look them up on Facebook or something just so that when I'm sitting down in a Panera, I'm not looking at every single person that walks in like, okay, is this the person I'm supposed to meet? Um, I was actually at Big B the other day having coffee and this woman walked up to my table and she's like, oh, hi. And I'm, I had no idea who she was. And I'm like, hi. She's like, you're Nicole, right? No, <laughs> definitely <laughs> not. But uh, it freaked me out just a little bit. Random person walking up to me. Um, so it is important to have a, a photo on the website. I think homepage is great, but if you don't really feel super confident in having your photo all over the place, um, at least having it on your about page is is really, really important. Okay, so I definitely want to get to the about page in just a second, but before we move off of the homepage, do you have any tips for how it should be laid out or organized? I think that this sort of depends on your style and the type of person that you are. My own preference as a web designer, as a consumer, I like imagery. So I think that there has to be some imagery on the homepage. Uh, keep the amount of text very short. Just kind of be, be very selective in the way you describe things. Um, I have a client who is... Uh, he was a journalism major and he's a wonderful writer, but he tends to be more descriptive, which leads to a longer paragraph and people on the web don't read. They not at all. Right. And so you just want bullet points. Um, You want calls to action, which we'll talk about in a bit. And you want just kind of a, a very short and direct amount of information. So I like to have just kind of a the, at the top of the page, I like a photo, I like a call to action, I like a short description after that of what it is you do and who you are. Um, and I definitely want contact information, maybe even a contact form or a way to sign up for an email list or something along those lines. Those are really the basics on a homepage that I think are so, so, so important. You said something that intrigued me right there about the contact information. So my sites typically have that, but why would someone pick just putting their contact information over a contact form or vice versa? Um, so I think it, it really just depends on your message and what it is that you are doing. I like a, a contact form because I use a content um, uh well, geez, oh, Pete's uh, CRM. <laughs> I use a CRM and it, so the information automatically goes into my system and I can use that and hold on to it and I don't have to worry about losing it um, in any sort of way. But when I am, say, driving in my car or in a store and I need to make a phone call or I want to know if I'm heading in the right direction for a meeting or something like that, I like to know the basics. Because if I send information through a contact form, it's going to take you like I don't know, hours to days to respond back, depending on your company. And if I need to call you right away, I want to have access to that phone number. So um, having the basics of your contact information is very important. I like to just put that in the footer because that's where everyone tends to look for it anyways. Um, but a contact form would be just even better for you, for the business side of things to uh, keep track of those potential clients. 
Yep, for sure. Just for the sake to make sure everyone knows, what does CRM stand for? Or is it going to trip you up again? (laughs) Is it customer relationship manager? I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it. I was like, I'm going to make sure with her. I'm pretty sure it's what CRM stands for. I mean, we could look it up probably, but um, yeah, I, uh, I love my CRM. I use HoneyBook and it's just, it's so great. Even when you're just starting out, you know, if you have an Etsy shop, or if you have um, an e-commerce shop on your website and you're selling some sort of product or if you're doing a service um, like wedding planning or a photographer or a web designer, it's so great to have something that keeps track of all of your client information. And I, I am not paid by HoneyBook <laughs> by any means, but I love them just because it keeps everything all in one place. It's so easy to use and um, you can, you know, people can make payments through it. It's, it's just a whole system that basically runs your business. If honey, if my HoneyBook went down, I would probably lose my mind. I don't even know what I would do. I mean, I have backups of everything, obviously, because I'm I'm intelligent, but (laughs) (laughs) right. (laughs) But it, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I just depend on it so much. So just to confirm, I did a quick Google search and it is customer relationship management or manager. Yes, that was right. So a plus. I feel like I was just on jeopardy. I feel (laughs) trivia. (laughs) Um, the other thing that I will add about that, uh, the contact form thing, something that I use them for when I build out websites is, for spam purposes. So if you're getting traffic and you find that you get in spam, if you list an email address right on the site, that's fine. There are ways actually to kind of obfuscate that email address if you don't want that to be found, but a contact form will help to prevent that. So people will have to fill it out and it will go to a specific place or you'll, you have a captcha, one of those like click on the image or type in the text things to prevent against a bunch of spam. Right. Right. And I know you'll, in another episode, you'll be speaking on uh, WordPress a little bit, but there are definitely plugins and things that can hide that email address and make it a little more difficult for bots or hackers to, or spammers to find you um, and contact you. So yeah, contact forms are great for a million different reasons. I just, I like to, as a consumer, as someone who's using websites, I like to have that information available, Right, uh, you know, phone number, email address, location, stuff like that, just in situations where I need it quickly. Also, like there are times that maybe I deleted a um, an email chain and I need the email address, but I don't want to send an email through that contact form again because we'd already been speaking. So it's just good to have everywhere, anywhere that you can possibly put it. Yep, for sure. And just for folks listening, the surprise is that we record episodes out of order. And this episode actually is occurring or will be airing after the website building episode. So if you're listening in order, you've already heard it. That episode was number 24 on how to build a website. Yep. So (laughs) hopefully folks will have that information. But if not, definitely head back easiercast.com slash 24 to listen to that one. This one is 25. So let's move on to the about page. And we only have a couple of notes in our outline, but I, you know, the photo is, is one that you have here. So maybe we can talk maybe a little more about why it would go here versus the homepage and then sure. what other tips you have for the, for the about page. All right. So in my opinion, the about page is your most important page. Um, majority of the clients that I work with are usually like solopreneurs or they're, you know, one of very few employees within their company. So having that connection and people learning about you is so, so, so important. Even for bigger companies, it's very important. 
So when I'm creating an about page for a client, I recommend a few different things. So a photo is super important. I like a photo that shows your eyes or your face. And if you've been to my website um, or any of my socials, you know that like the photo that I am using right now is basically just my eyes, but Mm -hmm. it still works because it's a connection. It's a, it creates a whole feel um, and it creates trust. And so having a photo of you, it's just really important, honestly. Um, The biggest part of the about page though for me is really paying attention to the way that you are writing about yourself. So using your own voice, in my opinion, is incredibly important. And it sets the tone and the message for your entire brand. And I know branding is a whole different animal, but um, really using your voice is just so, so important. And so I recommend a lot of times to clients that they take their phone or whatever device they're using and record themselves speaking their about page. So it's, it's just such an, it's an easier way to edit basically how you are speaking to your audience. So you want to use words that you would normally use and speak. You don't want to sound pretentious. You don't want to use jargon. And depending on the mission behind your business and the tone, you may not want to sound overly stuffy or insanely professional. Um, You don't want to sound too casual. So actually speaking it out really helps you narrow down what you want to say. And then it also helps if you say too much. You know, you don't want to have something that's going to take someone longer than 20 seconds to read. So, um, So yeah, that's kind of the most important part about an about page. And then it's another opportunity for you to kind of share your history, how you got started in what you're doing, exactly what it is you do, where you work, what's important to you. Um, And those are all things that people connect with. And that's why people will book you over one of your competitors. Yeah. And I think it's important to note here that putting personal information. This is one of the things, especially for starting a side hustle, you know, maybe if you're a a fortune 500 company, this, this doesn't make sense, but for a solo business, it makes sense to include some personal information because that's, what's going to make you stand out. People are going to want to hire you versus whatever other zillionth web designer or wedding planner there is out there. Absolutely. And it's, you know, honestly, it's not an easy thing. It seems like it would be so easy to speak the way that you would speak in normal everyday life in web form or in text, but it really is a difficult thing. So just um, recording yourself sort of helps you really use your own voice. I've worked really hard on the way that I speak in email form or on social media. My brand is a lot more comfortable and casual and I like to be warm and inviting. And so a lot of what I've done is really just focused on specific words, like like those words that I just said, anytime that I'm writing something or creating something for any kind of content, it's just, it's so, so important to be consistent across the board. Okay. So now that we've got two of the major sections built out, you talked about including a contact page. Yes. Um, so there are a few ways that you could go about doing a contact page. Basic contact info is so, so important. So you want to have your phone number, you want to have an email address, and you should probably have some sort of location. 
it gives people an idea, like if they, if they're going to work with you, where you'd be meeting or which area you're coming from. Or if, like I said before, if you're a local company, they may want to support you even more. So, so those things are important. Now going off the uh, phone number thing, I know giving out a cell phone number is not always the greatest, but you can use Google to get a phone number for absolutely no cost and you can use that as your business line. So I, I have that set up on my phone because I didn't want to own two phones. So I have a business number and I have a personal number. And when the calls come in from the business line on my phone through Google, then I know, okay, if it's after eight o'clock, I'm not going to answer that. But not a lot of people have my personal number. So if, if it's a personal call, then I know it's probably more time sensitive and needs to be responded to. So, um, so there's ways around different, you know, different things like that. If you don't have a phone number for your business set up or, or the location, you can just get a PO box or something like that and have it on there as well. But you just have to have those basics. The contact page itself. I love contact forms. I know we talked about that and just having, getting Gathering that information right out of the gate is so helpful. So in my contact form, you know, I have basic, I need your name, I need your contact information, your email address, whatever it may be. I have a drop down that says, what are you contacting me for? And then a text box. So someone can write me a message and say, you know, I I need help with my branding and website. And here's what I'm looking for. And that way, A, I can pre-qualify my clients and I know whether or not they're going to be a good fit. And then also I have all of that information right out of the gate and I don't have to contact them and say, okay, give me all this information again because I already have it in the system. And so contact forms are great. I like maps if you have a physical location, if you have a shop or a studio or something along those lines, having like a Google map on there is, is really helpful as well. So... When would you, because you talked about potentially including this information in a couple of different places, it sounds like it's appropriate to include possibly in the footer as well as on a contact page and maybe even on the homepage. I, you know, tell me about how to decide that. Yeah. So um, I think that because the mission of a website is to book more clients or more customers, having the ability to contact you in as many places as possible is really just a smart idea. If, if someone wants to contact you and they're on your about page and then they have to click to go to a contact page and then they see a contact form and they don't feel, you know, they feel a little lazy that day and they don't want to fill out a form. They'd rather just shoot you an email, you know, giving them options to contact you is so important. And if they're on their homepage and they are on your homepage and they already know they want to contact you, just ha- having that contact form or the ability to contact you from that homepage saves them time. And so it, it just makes sense to have it in as many places as possible. Yeah, I agree. And making it as easy to use and as easy to find. So it's like yes. wherever your clients are at, you meet them there because you want to make it a seamless a transition from right. potential to actual client. Especially now, because majority of us are doing the bulk of our searches on our phones. And so no one wants to be scrolling through every single page you have just to find your email address or just to find your contact form. Um, so having it right there is just is so, so important. And if you don't want to have a contact form on your homepage, if you are 
going for a really simple, clean look, then having at least a link like, hey, if you want more information, contact us and having that link go directly to your contact page is very, very important. So you said something that I think it's not part of the actual plan of this episode, but I'm going to throw you a few curveballs because I've written down a few things I'd like to bring up. Mobile friendly is huge. Tell me about mobile friendly. So, so, so important. So um, if you are building your own website, having a focus on mobile friendly is probably one of the most important things you can do. If you are hiring someone to create your website, it is incredibly important to make sure that they are designing it to be mobile friendly. I think it's something like uh, you could probably, you are such a stats person, so you probably know this already, but it's something like 40 to 50% of all searches are done on phones right now. A lot. It's 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 something like that. And it's growing more and more every day as um, phones and devices become more accessible. So um, really, I know we've all been to those websites that are really outdated and it's like the you have that, you have your phone and you see the entire desktop version, of, and it's about one millimeter high for every right, word, right? Yeah. And so you have to like scroll in and scroll out and zoom in and zoom out, and um, so it can be really frustrating. And I will be totally honest with you: if I see a website like that, ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I am going to back out of there because yep. it feels like a terrible place to be. And it's in like, uh, <laughs> statistics world for Google Analytics, that would be considered a bounce, and that's not a happy thing. No, that is not a happy thing. And it really just feels uh, gross, you know, like right. you're, you're in a weird back alley somewhere that you shouldn't be in. So, um, so yeah, making sure that it's mobile friendly is just, it, it is so important. And I think we all know what that means for the most part. It's just being able to use a website on your phone without having to do all of the zooming and the moving and being able to read things legibly and, and the organization is just more ideal for mobile use. Yep, for sure. So I can say a couple of things. First of all, I, as we were talking, I pulled up the stats for my podcast and 73% of my audience has come from mobile. 73%. Then that now podcast is going to be a little bit skewed, I think, because most people are listening using their phones, but That is a huge percentage. And actually, it's a little more than that. I look a little more closely. It's actually 77% because 4% come from tablet. So my desktop users, are I'm only getting 23% there. And if I hadn't had a website that was ready for mobile, I would be losing that audience. True. And it's that is so, so, so important. Um, And I think it's a question that not a lot of people who don't really have a lot of experience in the web world it's not something that they really know to ask. Um, Fortunately, you know, if we're talking about WordPress again, majority of the themes are now mobile friendly. um, And there's a lot of customizations that you can do to really make the um, mobile experience a lot better for your visitors. So it's not a difficult thing to do. There's a million articles out there on how to best do that. Um, But really just, it has to happen. There's, there's no way around it anymore. Yep. And then the other thing I was going to bring up is exactly tied to that in that we can talk a little bit about SEO or search engine optimization right now because Google penalizes websites from search results if you do not have a responsive or mobile friendly website. Right. Right. And um, yeah, it, it just it kills your website stats. It kills your rank. It kills 
um, it just kills everything. It's like the quickest way to make sure that you are not going to be successful in whatever it is that you are doing. I know that probably sounds really aggressive, but it's not, it's true. Be be aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, it is so true. Um, but yeah, you know, SEO is, is, so, so, so important because if people are not already connected with you through um, social media or some sort of marketing that you've done, there's no other way for people to find you. So really focusing on making Google happy is annoying at times and it can be, <laughs> it can be frustrating yes. because the algorithms and, you know, things change constantly, but it really is just kind of in the best interest of your consumers of your clients, your customers, that you you pay attention to what Google wants. And it's really Google. The other search engines, I'm sorry for people who like Bing or Yahoo or whatever, they they don't matter. Right. <laughs> it well, really, right. it's, it's Google. Just a, yeah, there's such a, the other ones are such a small That's right. portion of the pie that, um, you know, I pay attention when I'm designing websites, I use, you know, I'm a Chrome user. I yeah, me too. love Google everything. So me too. <laughs> um, so it's um, I design with Chrome in mind ninety percent of the time, but I have to check the other browsers and I have to check the other search engines and you know we have to make sure that those things work. But really, Google and Chrome are the ones that matter. Well, Firefox is pretty high up there as well. Um, Safari for Apple users, but um, if you're using Safari and you're on Apple, stop it. And exactly. I agree. Stop it. I agree. But <laughs> there are people that just don't know better, right? There are, right? I'm not saying that <laughs> we shouldn't make sure to include those folks who are still foolishly right. using Safari. But, but if you're using Safari <laughs> or Internet Explorer Edge, dear God, please oh. stop what you're doing. Yeah, there are times that I accidentally click on it on my because it's on my computer. I'm a Windows <laughs> user. And so I'll accidentally click on it. And every single time I'm like, no. Yeah, right. Because it takes four days to load. It does. It really does. And then yes. when you try to close it out, it won't. And no, it, yeah. And like half the websites in the world don't work. Don't on load. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's Microsoft with Edge. This is a total tangent, but it, it's just one of my frustration points. Microsoft is already killing off Edge, right? Which is their new version yeah. of Internet Explorer. They're already talking about it and they're yeah. actually moving to a browser based on Chrome. Well, like, That's, at some uh, point, just stop. Just stop, just stop designing it. Right. You're wasting your time. You are. You are the paying only thing too much you money use, for this. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. And the only thing you use it for, the only thing that you should be using Safari or Edge or Internet Explorer for is to install Firefox or Chrome. That's yes. It. Yes. So. And even that is going to take you 30 days. <laughs> yes. <right. laughs> yes. So. Uh, I'm literally pulling my hair right now. Like you can't see me, but I, my hands are in my hair. <laughs> One of my favorite things about our conversations are just our random frustration rants. Uh, that we tend good God. To. It's great. Yes. So anyway, t- we, we can hop off the soapbox, but one more yeah. time, I'm going to say it. Stop using those crappy browsers. Right. Anyway. Right. Okay. So right. moving, moving back into productive conversation, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess we let's, have a business, don't we? <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Um, let's talk about call to action. And I think this is a, a relatively large conversation, but this mm-hmm. is, I think, probably one of the most important things that people miss. Yes. Um, so there have been so many times that I've gone to websites and you look at them and you just don't know what you're supposed to do. 
Like what, what do I do with this information that you just gave me? Um, so having a call to action is incredibly important. There are so many different studies that have said that people will only react if they are told to react. So having some sort of button or graphic or something that tells people, here's what I want you to do next is just very important. So that could be as simple as, hey, contact us today if you want more information on our products or subscribe to our newsletter. It's it's basically whatever you want people to do, you have to put out there. You have to tell them what you want to, them to do and how they can do it and why it would be a benefit to them. And like I said, there's a, there's a million ways that you could do that. One of my favorites and one of the most popular ways to do that is to convince people or show people that they need to subscribe to your email newsletter. A lot of people, you know, I don't use this in my business as much as I probably should, but I set it up for almost all the clients that I use or that I work with. And so they basically having somewhere for people to sign up for your email list just kind of ensures that you are getting them to the next level because uh, your email box is a very intimate place. You only let a few people in, right, voluntarily. And if something is in there, you majority of the time you're going to pay attention to it. So that's a great place, a great way for you to get more information to potential clients. It's kind of taking them to the next level of commitment. It's showing off new products or whatever your mission is at that time. And, and I will add, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut no, you no, off, no, but go. that every everything I see, I mean, people sometimes think that email is antiquated. And if you believe that and don't want to do email marketing, you're doing so at your detriment. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think, well, I think there's, so there's, there's a lot of different schools of thought when it comes to email lists and how best to handle it and whether or not it's important. In this age, I feel like it is very important because people are lazy. I'm lazy when it comes to searching for things and doing things. So when you can actually put something in front of someone, you make it 10 times easier for them to contact you and reach out. You also remind them that you exist. So a lot of times you'll work with somebody or you'll create a product. And and then once that relationship is over, that connection is kind of over. So you being in their email box really just is like a, hey, I still exist over here. So if you have someone else that might be interested in something, maybe you'll spread the word or maybe you'll see something that you really like and you'll buy from me again. So it's just good. It's good as a reminder and it's just, it's good to have all around. So a call to action can be that subscribe to newsletter thing. It can also be a contact us for some, whatever it is. It could be, you know, if you're having a workshop or an event of some kind, it's just really, like I said before, just telling people what you want them to do, what the purpose of your website in that moment in time is, and, um, and make it easy and noticeable and not hidden. I think it's important for folks that before you can do the CTA or call to action, you need to make sure you know what that goal is. You need to know what do you want your client to even do in the first place? What's so, so true. And, um, you know, it's, I feel like we need to talk again about branding because it kind of all goes back to that and identifying what it is you do, who you're doing it for, why you're doing it, why you're different and 
finding that exact place that you want to be in your industry and thinking ahead. So if you know right now you're just making, I don't know, you're making bumper stickers in your garage, but you know five years from now you want this huge facility, you have to figure out those steps in between. So maybe step one is selling a certain amount of bumper stickers. So your call to action is going to be, hey, come look at our bumper stickers, right? So then your step two is, okay, I want to sell these giant packages because I can charge more. So then your call to action is going to be, hey, come look at these giant packages. It really just, it's you, once you figure out those steps to get where it is that you want to be and really lay them out for yourself, then each step of the way that call to action on your website and in your socials will change based on what your goals are at that time. So if you want to grow your email list, then that's what you're going to do. Have people subscribe. If you want to grow your Instagram following because you want to be some sort of influencer or um, you know you want the attention over there, then you're going to say, hey, come follow me on Instagram. That's going to be your call to action. So Really knowing your end goals, maybe not end goals, but your your future goals and laying out the path to get to that point really helps you narrow down your call to action. So I know that on my websites, maybe this is true, maybe you have different philosophy about how to do this, but when I do my calls to action, they typically are buttons on my sites and I always mm-hmm. feature one. I try to, in the header bar, in the header of the, the main page and then elsewhere, and I try to make them all look the same. If it's the same yes. call to action, have them consistent. Yes. Yeah. Because, um, and just kind of as an example here, I went to a website, I want to say like two or three days ago and someone was having a workshop and they were giving away a freebie and I am a sucker for a business freebie. So everyone, I yes, went to me this, too. um, website and they had the same exact call to action, but it looked like four different ways. So as I scrolled down the website, they had it in a bunch of different places, but it looked like it was something different. And so I had hesitation. I didn't know what I would be signing up for. And so I just got out of there because I hadn't, I didn't want to like, you know, we're very private about giving away our email addresses and giving away certain information. So if it feels even a little bit sketchy, people are just going to peace out. They're going to be gone. So making sure that it looks very similar, if not the same, um, it is really a great tip. So as we wrap up the the calls to action conversation, that was kind of all of the end of our prepared notes. But I had, as we were talking, I had an idea for one last little segment that I wanted sure. to try. And it's kind of, I want to treat it almost like a game. I want to do like a do's and don'ts competition to see who can come up with the last one, like who can stump the other person. And I've had like two extra minutes to think about this. So I'll go first and then see see how many we can come up with uh, and see how this goes. So how do you feel? You feel game? Oh, sure. I don't know how... how well that's going to go, but we will try it out. We'll try it. I'm sure we'll come up with a practical list one way or another, but we'll see what happens. So So, do's and don'ts? Yes. I I was just going to do don'ts, but then I was like, "Mm, that might be a short conversation. Let's see if we can add the do's, like the, the, the high points that come to mind. All right. I feel like I'm wringing my hands together right now. Like, let's do this. (laughs) Right. All right. So my first don't is don't use, I'm cheating, but don't use Safari, (laughs) Internet Explorer or Edge. Yeah, I know. And I've had extra time too. So it's not fair. (laughs) My podcast, my rules. (laughs) Okay, fine, 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 fine. 
Um, if you want to play dirty, we'll play dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Um, my first don't do not use animated anything flashy on your website. I know that probably sounds weird, but when you have like a dancing pineapple, oh my or God. like I, I remember looking at a website that had a, um, uh, it had like a UFO, I want to say, and it had nothing to do with the website itself, but this UFO just like flew in and started like zapping things. I don't know. Um, little animations are great. Like when people have their, their logos at the top animate, I think it's cute, but having anything super flashy is just distracting. Yes, I hundred. What is this? Nineteen ninety-five. Like, right, right. Stop it. Right. Like, no. All right. So my next don't is, and this might be a little bit controversial, but I am one hundred percent opposed to this one. Do not use a slider in your header. They are awful, and it is a trend <laughs> that is dying, and it should die rightfully so because they are terrible for performance for your site. If you have one of those sliders, it's killing your page load time. Yeah. It okay. So yes, this is controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times that I like it. When it is a larger company who has multiple calls to action, it's a decent solution. However, it does weigh down your website. And a lot of people just don't know how to set them up. So they move really, really fast. And you have to kind of like, wait, wait, what did I just see? And scroll back. Um, Or sometimes they don't even have those controls on the side where you can go back and forth between the two. So you're just sitting there waiting for it to come back around like the actual carousel. So, um, yeah, I guess I I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I guess it depends. But I think for the audience of this episode that are trying to do a a side hustle, if your side hustle has 14 different focuses, maybe time to have a conversation about focus. Uh, So true. Don't be Microsoft, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. And so that's my my web client that I have right now that we talk about Microsoft's disaster all the time. (laughs) So anyway, your turn. Um, I would say... I'm going to cheat too. I'm going to go back to the nineties. Don't use music on your website. Oh, you stole ever. my next one. What are you doing? Don't use audio. Oh my God. It's yeah. not my space for God's sake. No, it's not. And it, yeah, it, it's awful. It's just awful. Cause there's still so many sites that do it. And I will be completely honest back in 2004, I had audio in the background of my wedding planning website And it was kind of like when people first started doing it and it wasn't like, you know, the awful. Yes. Yeah, I know it was, it was awful. (laughs) Live and learn, live and learn. It's kind of like the same as like those, you know, your, your school pictures from the early (laughs) nineties. One of those things you don't want to talk about. That's right. Yeah, it exists, but please don't ever make it like, all right, for folks, if they're, if they follow me on Facebook at all, if you can see my photos, go back. I've got some pretty awful photos from high school or disaster. So it's a little Easter egg. I know. Oh my God. I had shoulder length, like wavy hair. It was a disaster. What? I couldn't even picture you like that. Yeah. Well, now you're friends with me on Facebook, so you can go check it out. Maybe I have to include one on my website now. (laughs) Uh, It was a disaster. I'll include it as a little link. So you got to search for it. It's not going to be obvious, but it was a disaster. That is the equivalent (laughs) of using audio or animations like that on your website. You know, sometime sometime this month, I will do the same. I will post one of my really 
terrible school pictures from way back when. Yeah. So it's going to be an Easter egg. You got to like look for the text on the page. So it's, okay. it's not going to be obvious, but if you, if you're going to look for it, it'll be there. I'll do it. You know, I'm going like to make a challenge. note right now. I like yes. the challenge. So, very so high school <laughs> photo. All right. Uh, I'm putting that on my notes to include. All right. So I think it's my turn and something that I thought of, and this might, again, it might be a matter of opinion here, but use emoji, but do it sparingly. I like including emoji very tastefully in the right spot. So like yeah. on my, on my site, I have folks who heart easier and that's the only one I use, but right. every so often it's right. Um, I think it could be cute in in that sort of way. I'm like an insane emoji user now. I never thought I would be one of these people, but um, in Me messages, either. yeah, in messages. I mean, yeah, if you look back at our text stream together, it's. <laughs> I think there. We should not do emoji. that. No, we <laughs> but um, I'd rather look at my photos from high school. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I think in like text and e- even email is like emails too much also usually i use the heart occasionally but yeah um that's just because i'm overflowing with love for my clients <laughs> <laughs> but hashtag uh, marketing i know exactly <laughs> but yeah so i just um i agree with that i i don't think the website is a place for that plus if you know if we're talking mobile friendly the emojis show up differently on different, different types of yeah. phones. So you don't know what your visitors are going to be seeing. So it's just not a good place. And it can get lost in the code and turn up just like a parenthesis star percentage on the actual website. You know, I mean, not that necessarily, sure. but it just could look weird. Yeah. So I think if you're going to do it, I actually like it very sparingly, but it needs to be probably one of the more common ones. Don't do like the random two people holding hands on a beach emoji, whatever, because it's, yeah. who knows how it'll show up. But a heart, I think is okay. A heart's okay. I use the heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use the heart. I am kind of secretly falling in love with like the girl who's shrugging. Um, I, <laughs> I love that one. I don't yes. know why. Um, then there's like the praise hands. Like it's fun to use in like your socials or in messages. Um, but the website is not really the greatest place for it. All right. You're up. You have, a, you have another one. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think mine would be, I'm trying to think of a don't. I, don'ts are more fun than they do. are more fun. Um, don't hide your contact information. I know it was already in this, but it's so important. So I'm going to say it. Don't hide your contact information because you want people to contact you, right? Simple as that. Yes, I agree. So I'll do one more and then I'll let you have the last word on this. So if you can come up with one more, but I have, I'm going to steal from this again, but do include calls to action everywhere. I think that that's so important. And we did talk a lot about it, but it, it really makes a huge difference. Have a button that's really obvious. That is what you want your customer to do or your client. Mine for my podcast is listen now. My, for my PC repair is book now. Mm-hmm. like book an appointment. Like, it's the whole yes. purpose of having a website. So yes, you might as well do it as much as possible. Um, okay. Mine actually kind of somewhat contradicts what Latasha said in her oh. episode with you and respectfully. So of course, <laughs> but um, I say do have a brand. So even if, and this is speaking on your website, do have a brand that represents you. Um, it doesn't have to be over the top. 
It doesn't have to be an amazing logo. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But if you have a website, you have got to represent yourself in a consistent way. So if you are all over the place, people are going to sense that you are all over the place and it will not create trust. Um, so being consistent is is very, very important. And the best way to be consistent is to develop a brand. I'm talking the way you the way you talk, your voice, your message, having those things nailed down, knowing who you're trying to talk to is probably one of the most important things that you could ever do for your business and for your website. So I 100% agree. And I think the message that Latasha possibly was trying to convey was don't get too focused on the minutia of True. having yes. the brand, like the logo and the exact uh, design and the exact color palette. Mine has changed like four times since I started. Oh, of course. Of course. No, wait, I, I'm just, there was one, um, one spot. She's just like the most brilliant person. I just, I'm in awe of her so much in so many different ways. But yeah, I, I, there was one point in the conversation and she said, don't worry about your brand. And I was just like, no, wait, <laughs> back up. Do worry about your brand. But exactly. Don't get caught up into, in the, in the trends and the colors and the logo and stuff. And I know she said that as well. Yeah. Um, don't get caught up in all of that stuff, but have a solid idea of who you are, who your business is and who you are trying to speak to. Um, and that's what I mean as far as the brand goes. It's more like along the lines of the strategy portion of your brand that is just so important right out of the gate. Because if you're trying, and I know we've discussed this before, if you're trying to speak to everybody, nobody is going to hear you. So yes. you want to make sure that you are are speaking the way that your ideal client or customer would be speaking. Right. And, and Latasha did say exactly that too. It's this idea of you don't want to be everything or you do want to be everything to somebody, not something to everybody. It exactly. It's not exactly. going to get your clients. Yep. Yep. It's, it's so, so, so important. All right. Well, I feel like we've hit about an hour on the show, which is longer than my episodes usually are. But the conversation, whenever they're great, I want to make sure that they can play themselves out. So I have loved this conversation and I really appreciate you coming on the show for sure that we finally got to do it too. Finally, finally. And thank you so, so much for inviting me on. Um, I've been listening for a while and I just, I love it. You keep me company on my long drives. Well, it's good. I'm glad. Yeah. So one other thing I want to, you mentioned that we should do an episode on branding and I think yeah. that should be a thing. I think folks, if they like this, they're going to like that too. So Absolutely. we should, yeah. we should get that going. Anytime you want to have me on, I am game. <laughs> Sounds good. Hopefully that is what my audience, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. So one more thing before we go, I definitely wanted to make sure that I gave you the opportunity. If folks were looking to find you both your brand Mixie and your social, where can they find you? Um, so basically it is, we are Mixie, M-I-X-I-E on everything. So it's wearemixie.com. Um, I'm on Instagram at wearemixie and on Facebook at wearemixie. And if anyone wants to reach out or has questions and they want to send an email, my email is hello at wearemixie.com. And I would be happy to chat with anyone. Yep, anytime. If anyone is looking for branding or web design, absolutely reach out. You will not regret that decision. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Amanda. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you.
And that's it for episode number 25 of Easier. Thank you again so much to Amanda Freeman for coming on the show today and talking about the most essential things that you should have on your business website. Remember to include the homepage, the about page, the contact page, and your calls to action, and you'll be well on your way toward an immensely successful site. Also, don't forget to try establishing a weekly routine. Do you have any tips, tricks, or hacks for making life easier? If so, I'd love for you to email me with them at podcast at easiercast.com or leave a comment by visiting the show notes at easiercast.com slash 25. And just as a reminder, every episode's show notes are at easiercast.com slash the show number. If I love any of your ideas, I will be sure to feature them in a future episode. Also, I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at a Michael Wagner. That's at a Michael Wagner. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.